get right in. Okay, so quick reminder before we start. I encourage you all to reach out with any questions you may have or if you want me to talk more in depth about a specific topic. Also, I have podcast gear available. I have t-shirts and hoodies. It is a great way to support the show. Lastly, at the very least, if you enjoy this podcast, please like, share, subscribe, and leave a review. Receiving that positive energy helps me out. And also, my email is located in the show notes. Okay, so let's get into this episode. So if you have listened to more than a few episodes of this podcast, you know that I am a huge fan of the seven hermetic principles. This is because each of the principles are simple and easy to understand, yet they contain a lot of knowledge, wisdom, and truth. In fact, if there is a better text which describes how the universe operates, I haven't found it. And one of the coolest aspects of these seven hermetic principles is that once you understand these principles, you see them everywhere. Which reminds me of one of my favorite quotes by Mayumoto Masashi, which is, if you know the way broadly you will see it in everything. So, remember at the end of The Matrix when Neo finally embraces his true potential? See, at that moment, his vision changes, and instead of seeing the false reality of The Matrix, he is able to see the computer code which governs The Matrix. Well, the same thing can and will happen to you once you start studying these seven hermetic principles. So if you haven't studied these principles, I could not recommend it enough. They have changed my life. And I have done a breakdown of each principle in past episodes. So if you're interested in learning more about them, I encourage you to go back and listen. Okay, so in this episode, I want to talk about the principle of correspondence, the principle of polarity, and the principle of rhythm, and how these principles relate to a fascinating cosmological cycle known as the great year. First, let's do a quick review of each of these principles. So the principle of correspondence states, as above, so below, as below, so above, as within, so without, as without, so within. So this basically means the same rules, patterns, and truths apply on all levels and planes of existence. Next, we have the principle of polarity, which states everything is dual. Everything has poles. Everything has its pair of opposites. Like and unlike are the same. Opposites are identical in nature, but different in degree. Extremes meet. All truths are but half-truths. All paradoxes may be reconciled. The big takeaway from this principle is that everything has an opposite. However, these supposed opposites are really just two sides of the same coin. Finally, we have the principle of rhythm, which states that everything flows, out and in. Everything has its tides. All things rise and fall. The pendulum, the pendulum swing manifests in everything. The measure of the swing to the right is the measure of the swing to the left. Rhythm compensates. This basically means that the universe operates in a cyclical manner. Okay, so if we combine these three principles, we can start to see and understand that the universe follows a cyclical pattern or rhythm continuously moving from one end of the spectrum to the other. The universe is constantly flowing between positive and negative aspects of energy in a controlled and consistent manner. 
And these cyclical patterns occur at every level from the smallest cycle to the largest cycle. For example, let's look at the cyclical pattern of time. We have daily cycles, yearly cycles, and even grand cosmological cycles. Starting with the smallest cycle, we all know that every day, every 24 hours, we experience time flowing through the polar opposites of day and night. Then as we jump up a level, we experience a bigger cycle, the yearly cycle, where time flows between the polar opposites of summer and winter, spring and fall. Then, as I have just learned, there is an even bigger cycle, a cosmological cycle, which occurs over a time scale of approximately 26,000 years. This cycle is known as the Great Year. So I want you to take a second and think about this. So space, which we have been told is infinitely vast and ever-growing, follows the same cyclical pattern we experience every day or year, except this cycle plays out over a timescale which we almost can't comprehend. A timescale so big that over the course of your lifetime, you will, you will only experience maybe 1% of this entire cycle. So, you know, I don't know about you, but that, that's wild, right? It's insane. And so, according to Wikipedia, this cosmological cycle known as the Great Year is the period of time it takes the solar equinox to make a complete revolution through all the zodiac constellations and return to its original position. So, this entire cycle takes approximately 25,920 years. Now, before I go any further, I want to say that this is an extremely big and complicated topic. And even though there seems to be no denying that this cycle exists, the explanation for why it exists and what it means are just theories. And let me tell you, there are many theories trying to explain this grand cycle. <clears throat> With that being said, when it comes to the great year, there are a lot of things we know or I should say there are a lot of things most people, including mainstream science, agrees on, and there are a lot of things we don't know or that most people don't agree on. So let's talk about some of the things that are agreed upon. So first, it is agreed that the stars are fixed. This means, despite the fact that we are, that despite the fact we are revolving around the sun, and the sun is revolving around something in the Milky Way, and the Milky Way is also moving through space, and space is ever-expanding, we still manage to always see the same stars in the sky. Sure, the position of the stars change, which is part of the great year cycle, but the stars we see in the night sky right now are the exact same stars our ancient, ancient ancestors saw. So knowing that the stars are fixed leads into the next thing we know or agree on, and that is that certain stars form constellations. In fact, 12 of these constellations are known as astrological or zodiac signs. These 12 zodiac signs each represent a 30-degree sector of Earth's 360-degree orbit around the sun. 12 constellations times 30 degrees equals 360 degree orbit or one yearly cycle. So in other words, the movement of the zodiac constellations can be thought of as a cosmological calendar 
And it's no coincidence that we have 12 months in a year and there are 12 zodiac signs. Each zodiac sign is represented by a particular month. I mean, actually, each zodiac sign seems to start on or around the 20th of each month instead of the beginning, which doesn't make any sense given the fact that the astrological calendar in our modern calendar both play out over the exact same time scale exact same time scale you would think that the start of each zodiac sign would correspond to the beginning of each month but you know, what do i know likewise the beginning of the year for the astrological calendar and our modern calendar is way off from each other According to modern astrology, the first sign is Aries, which means Aries represents the beginning of a new year. Now, this actually makes a lot of sense because Aries occurs on the spring equinox. And as we all know, spring represents the start of the growing season, the time of rebirth, the time of new beginnings. However, our modern calendar says that January 1st is the beginning of the new year. So, the question we should be asking is why the disconnect between the modern calendar and the astrological calendar? And you probably already know the answer, and it has nothing to do with Julius Caesar. Instead, it has to do with sowing the seeds of disinformation, but I will talk more about that later. Anyway, when it comes to the astrological calendar, we have two different cycles going on the yearly cycle, and the 26,000-year cycle. And so here's the difference between the two. The yearly cycle, so in the yearly cycle right now, as I record this episode, it is November 20th, 2022. So according to mainstream astrology, the sun is in the constellation of Scorpio. In fact, according to mainstream astrology, the sun is in the constellation of Scorpio from October 23rd to November 22nd. Then on November 23rd, the sun begins to rise in Sagittarius, and it will stay in Sagittarius until December 21st, and so on. This is how the yearly cycle works, and most people understand this, or at the very least, everyone knows their astrological sign and the dates associated with their sign. In other words, the time frame for each sign depends on when the sun is in a particular constellation. And we are told that this cycle is constant. But is this true? Well, the answer is yes and no. Right? Yes, it's true that over the course of a year, the sun rises in 12 different constellations. However, the constellations have their own cycle, which is known as the great year. What this means is that Scorpio will not always begin on October 23rd. At some, point, at some point over the great year cycle, it will begin in April, then in July, and this will continue until once again it starts on October 23rd. So what does, it, what does this mean? So this means that your birth sign, which many of you hold in such high regards and identify with, <clears throat> is not correct. That's right. You you heard that right. It means if you think you're a Scorpio, you're actually a Libra. If you think you are a Leo, you're actually a Cancer. So the truth is, and I will explain, whatever your birth sign is, you're actually the one that comes before it. And 
And if you were born within the last few years, I mean, you're probably not listening to this podcast. However, if you are listening, thank you. But if you are listening and you were born within the last few years and you think you were a Scorpio, you are actually a Virgo. You need to go back to zodiac signs. For many of you listening, I bet this piece of information is both mind-blowing and shocking. But it is 100% true. It's true because for some reason, modern astrology hasn't been updated to be current with the actual location of the stars above. Why it hasn't been updated is a complete mystery. And I will get into my theories at the end of this episode, but for now I want to talk about one of the theories as to why the astrological signs rotate around the Earth. So the mainstream explanation for the Great Year Cycle is based on a concept known as the precession of the equinox. This concept theorizes that Earth wobbles on its axis and... So this concept theorizes that Earth wobbles on its axis as it spins, much like a top losing its steam and no longer stands up straight. And in order for the Earth to complete one wobble, it takes approximately 26,000 years. So in other words, Earth's rate of precession is approximately one degree every 72 years, which means that in order to make one complete cycle of precession, you would take 360 degrees and multiply that by 72 years. That gives you your 25,920 years. Also, remember that there are 12 zodiac signs, each representing 30 degrees of Earth's 360-degree orbit around the sun. So if you take 25,920 years and you divide that by 12 zodiac signs, you get 2,160 years, which represents an astrological or zodiac age. This means that over the course of the great year, we will go through 12 different ages. The ages can be thought of like the months of our one-year cycle, as above, so below. The age we are in at any given moment depends on what constellation the sun is in on the March equinox. So a new age occurs the moment the sun rises in a new constellation on the March equinox. So this means that every 2,160 years, we enter a new age. So knowing this, the next question should be, what age are we in and why is my astrological sign wrong? Well, to answer that, we have to look at a world map. So looking at a map or a globe, you will notice that there are five prominent circles of latitude on our planet. You have the Arctic Circle, the Tropic of Cancer, Equator, Tropic of Capricorn, and the Antarctic Circle. For this particular episode, we are not concerned with the Arctic or Antarctic Circles. We are, however, interested in the Tropic of Cancer, the equator, and the Tropic of Capricorn. In order to try to figure out which age we are in, we need to understand what these circles represent and how they got their names. But before we do that, we must first understand both the June and December solstice as well as the March and September equinox. So if you are in the Northern Hemisphere, 
The June solstice occurs on the 21st of June and is the first day of summer. And the December solstice occurs on the 21st of December and is the first day of winter. Likewise, the March equinox occurs on the 21st of March and is the first day of spring, whereas the September equinox occurs on the 21st of September and is the first day of fall. So let's say it is March 21st in the Northern Hemisphere. This is the first day of spring, and the sun is directly over the equator. Then, from March 22nd until June 21st, the sun moves north until it is directly over the Tropic of Cancer, which is the first day of summer. Then at that point, the sun stops, turns around, and starts heading south until September 21st, when it is once again directly over the equator, and this is the first day of fall. After this, the sun will continue to move south until it is directly over the Tropic of Capricorn on December 21st, which is the first day of winter. At this point, the sun once again moves north until it is back over the equator on March 21st, thus completing a one-year cycle. Okay, now that we understand that, we need to know how did the Tropic of Cancer and the Tropic of Capricorn get their names? Well, according to... Wikipedia, the Tropic of Cancer, got its name at the time in the last centuries BCE. So, actually, let me say that again. So, according to Wikipedia, the Tropic of Cancer got its name in the last centuries BCE when the sun was in the constellation was was when the sun was in the constellation of Cancer during the June solstice. Likewise, the same during the same time period. At the December solstice, the sun was in the constellation of Capricorn. Okay, so there's a lot of information packed into those few sentences. First, I want to talk about the term BCE and why that is important. So BCE means before the common era. Before the common era used to mean BC, before Christ or before Jesus. It was changed to remove the religious aspect of Christ or Jesus out of our dating system, which I don't have a problem with. However, when it comes to the stars and our location within the great year, Jesus, or at least the idea of what he represents, is a very important clue, especially when it comes to the time before Jesus. Okay, so what this all means is that in the time before Jesus, when the sun was in the constellation of Cancer on the June solstice, likewise during the same time the sun was in the constellation of Capricorn during the December solstice. So, if the sun is in the can- if so, if the sun is in Cancer on the June solstice and Capricorn on the December solstice, that puts the sun in Aries for the March equinox, which means. The tropics got their name during the astrological age of Aries. Okay, so why is Jesus important? Well, it is believed that Jesus actually represents the dawning of a new age, the age of Pisces. See, the astrological sign Pisces is represented by a fish. You you know who was also represented by a fish? That's right, your boy Jesus. You, you we all know about the Jesus fish. So, 
maybe Jesus was a real person, or maybe he is a mythological representation of the birth of a new age. Either way, it is universally agreed upon that around the time of Jesus, we did enter the age of Pisces. So BCE or BC could be thought of as the time before the age of Pisces. Okay, so think about all this for a second. The Tropic of Cancer and Capricorn were named in the age of, were named during the age of Aries. However, in the age of Pisces, during the June solstice, the sun is in Gemini, and it is in Sagittarius for the December solstice. This means that if we wanted to be aligned with the stars during the age of Pisces, the tropic should be called the Tropic of Gemini and the Tropic of Sagittarius. This also means that everyone's astrological birth sign is wrong. Your birth sign, just like the Tropic of Cancer and Capricorn, was based in the age of Aries and has not been updated for the age of Pisces. This means that your birth sign is actually the one that comes before it. For example, my birthday is July 24th. I have always thought I have always thought I was a Leo, but the truth is I was born in the age of Pisces. So my actual birth sign is Cancer, and the same is true for you. And it gets even crazier. We know that the time of Jesus was around 2000 years ago. Although we don't know the exact amount of time, well, Remember, an age lasts approximately 2,100 years. This means that we are close to entering into a new age, the age of Aquarius. In fact, many people believe that we that we entered the that we've already entered the age of Aquarius sometime between the between 2012 and 2021. Now, obviously, the timeline doesn't match up exactly, but who knows when the age of Pisces actually began? All we can be sure of is that if we are not in the age of Aquarius right now, we are really close. But remember the Mayan calendar and how it supposedly came to an end around 2012? Maybe that calendar ended when the age of Pisces ended. Who knows? Anyway, if we are in the age of Aquarius, this means that the stars have once again shifted and the tropics should be named the Tropic of Taurus in the Northern Hemisphere, and the Tropic of Scorpio in the Southern Hemisphere. It also means anyone born recently, their birth sign has shifted by two. Okay, with all this information about the astrological signs, you might ask, does it matter? Does it matter that the Tropic of Cancer and Capricorn should be renamed Tropic of Taurus and Tropic of Scorpio? Maybe. Maybe not. Sure, it is just a name, but at the very least, it shows that we, it shows that we have lost connection to the universe. But what about your astrological sign? Does it matter that it is wrong? Remember, the astrological sign you think you are was based on the position of the constellation during the age of Aries. You were born in the age of Pisces. So no matter which way you slice it, you are not your sign. You are the one that comes before it. And I would say that this matters a lot. It matters because you are using wrong information to analyze a complex subject. See, I I do believe more now than ever that the location of the stars and planets in relation, in relation to each other have a significant effect on our overall experience and well-being. 
I mean, principle six of the seven hermetic principles, the principle of cause and effect, confirms this. That principle states that every cause has its effect. Every effect has its cause. Everything happens according to law. This means that everything is connected and nothing happens by chance. So the precise location of the stars in the sky at the exact moment you were born into this universe 100% has an effect. Likewise, this would also mean that the location of the stars, planets, and moons at any moment in our past, present, and future will also affect our daily lives. How much of an effect? I have no idea. But I'll tell you this. An interesting quote I came across by J.P. Morgan says, Millionaires don't use astrology. Billionaires do. Now, there is so much to unpack about this quote, I feel like I could do an entire episode on it. For now, I will try to keep it short as this episode is getting long. So, who is J.P. Morgan? I mean, we've all heard the name, right? Well, he, w- he was a banker, but not just any banker. He was one of the first bankers, the type of banker that controlled so much money that he had the ability to shape and manipulate society as he saw fit. In other words... If there is an elite class of people that make the laws and shape the policies, J.P. Morgan would be a high-ranking member. This is all to say that billionaires are something different. To put things into some perspective, you should know that 1 million seconds is 11 days, and 1 billion seconds is 31 years. Yeah, you heard that right. 1 million seconds is 11 days, and 1 billion seconds is 31 years. See, most of us have no idea how much money a billion dollars actually is. According to a few different Google searches, the average person makes around $3 million over the course of their entire life. A billion dollars is a hundred or a billion dollars is a thousand million. So to put things in even more perspective, let's say you are overly ambitious and you are far from average. So over the course of your lifetime, let's say you make $15 million. This would mean you would be making five times the average salary, which would most likely put you in the upper echelons of society. Definitely upper, upper middle class, if not lower high class. So if you made $15 million over the course of your lifetime, it would take you 66 lifetimes to make a billion dollars. Hell, why stop there? Let's pretend you are a real go-getter and you make $40 million over your lifetime, which would definitely make you a millionaire. And you would definitely be considered rich by just about everyone you know. Even at this level of wealth, it would still take you 25 lifetimes to make a billion dollars. The point of this is to show you that billionaires are on a completely different level. They have the kind of money that would take most people 50 to 60 lifetimes to make. So with that amount of money comes power. The power to influence and control society as they see fit. According to Forbes magazine... There are only 2,668 billionaires on the planet, which is way less, way, way, way less than 1% of the population. However, 
these 2,668 people have a combined wealth of over $12.7 trillion. So a trillion seconds, in case you were wondering, is just over 31,000 years. So if you ever wonder who runs the world, who controls the policies, procedures, and laws, there's a really good chance it is these people. It's like George Carlin said, it's a big club and you ain't in it. Except the reality is, it's a really tiny elite club and you ain't in it. So when you have an extremely tiny group of people controlling the majority of the resources on a planet of 8 billion people, the question becomes, how do the few control the many? One method is to control the information. If billionaires really do pay attention to the stars like J.P. Morgan suggested, what is stopping us from doing it? The answer is nothing. The truth is, this elite group can't stop us from looking at the stars. They can, however, control the information we receive about the stars. See, if we study the stars but are using the wrong variables, such as the wrong birth sign, this would ensure our results would be flawed. In the world of computer science, they call this garbage in equals garbage out. So in other words, flawed inputs give you flawed outputs. Now, I'm not saying that an elite group of billionaires have conspired to prevent us from getting accurate astrological readings. But the truth is, for one reason or another, modern astrologers are using bad information. Why is that? On the flip side, I would be willing to bet a lot of money that if anyone is getting accurate astrological readings, it is the billionaires. So, if I had to guess... If I had to guess as to why modern astrology hasn't been updated to reflect the actual location of the stars, maybe it's because the elite want to stay elite. I mean, who knows, right? Your guess is as good as mine. I would love to hear your theories on this. So, so how powerful is astrology? I mean, I have no idea, but I do know that the Egyptians, Sumerians, Mayans, Incans, Greeks, and Romans, and according to J.P. Morgan, all the billionaires, all these people studied the stars. So maybe we should too. But first, we need to make sure we are using the right information. See, we live in a time, we live in a time where we are constantly being barded with disinformation, fake news, propaganda, with the sole purpose of confusing us, which prevents us from reaching our highest potential. So if you aspire to escape the matrix, you need to start asking questions and search for truths, right? This is the way. Anyway, as I wrap up this episode, I want to put a call out to anyone who does astrological readings that knows about this. If you know about this, if you know that our birth signs are wrong, hit me up. I would love to talk to you. Anyway... Stay curious, my friends. See you on the other side.